Today is the second Sunday of Advent. The Advent means simply from, from Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival or visit. It's in a sense that the waiting period, but that kind of waiting period is not just simply passive one, but hopeful anticipation period. And it ends with January 6th. The, the traditionally, the, uh, church, churches called it a epiphany, the revealing of who Christ is for us. So we next uh, five, six Sundays, we're going to actually journey through this reflection, Advent reflection, hopeful anticipation. And today's title message is, Are You Ready for Christmas? I don't know about you, um, because I give ride to my second son, Silas, and we pick up his friend on the way, and usually the sermons are too boring for them, and classical music's too boring for them. And I compromise, right? So Coast 103 is... <laughs> but I had no idea they've done this this year. Because in the past, I know that the day after Thanksgiving, they will start playing Christmas carols. But it was even before, one week before Thanksgiving, they're starting to play Christmas songs. It felt really weird. It's not even Christmas. And I wonder, as you're listening to it, yeah, some of those things gets into that, the childhood memories and warmth and cozy feelings. I like that. It's the best time of the year. And the Bing Crosby singing White Christmas. All that is, oh, the good things about my childhood, fond memories about childhood, Except I don't experience snow anymore. So actually, not cold during the Christmas time is still weird to me, living in California. So many of us, it becomes, many of us become a little worried and stressful about getting ready for Christmas. I'm grateful for my wife, uh, went out yesterday, some part of yesterday, and came back and said, Phew, many of those, our nephews and nieces present, we have a large gathering for Christmas. Most of them done. So I feel really relieved. And I don't know about how many gatherings you have, the in-laws and your, your, your parents. Some, some families have extended a family visit, so two, three, four gatherings. Not to mention your company parties. And Christmas banquet for our Crossway community next Sunday, which we all look forward to. But how do you get ready for Christmas? And today's passage actually reveals the direction quite sharply different from the rest of the world. And I might as well say, some of us will be a little shaken because of the countercultural nature of the ways that Scripture recommends us. 
So for the sake of just getting into the, the main culture and the sharp, stark difference between the ways that the world and even many Christians in the church are preparing for Christmas, let's define some of the way it's not. This preparation, if Advent is preparing for the coming of the Lord, oh, by the way, the Advent of coming of the Lord is not the birth of Christ only in the past, but we look forward to coming of the Lord in the future, which is the second coming of Christ. We are mindful of those two coming of the Lord at the same time. So it is still very Hopeful anticipation is not just the make-believe or living out the old memories, but really looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. If Advent is preparing for the coming of the Lord, this preparation is not by getting ready with Christmas gifts. No matter how organized you are, no matter how, how thorough you are in your checklist and discount list, um, that readiness doesn't contribute the preparation for the coming of the Lord. Secondly, this preparation, preparation is not by getting read, ready with the Christmas spirit. Um, and this is culturally very relevant and open also to a lot of positive things. Giving spirit, you know, there's a uh, Cyber Monday and the reaction to that was a Giving Tuesday. I didn't know until this year. <laughs> and many well-meaning people, Christians and non-Christians, donate volunteer and getting into spirit, Christmas spirit of giving and being kind to each other and not to mention the sentimental side of uh, it's the wonderful, most wonderful time of the year. But that wouldn't do it. Thirdly, this preparation is not by getting ready with Christmas gatherings and parties as I mentioned. But if you look at the passage to sum it up, this is where we're going. This pe- preparation is by getting ourselves ready for the coming of the Lord. It is the spiritual preparation. It takes heart preparation. And one of the famous and most beloved Christmas hymns and carols is Joy to the World. Isaac Watts, which is, uh, who is a famous uh, hymn writer who also wrote When I Surveyed the Wondrous Cross, Alas, my king, did my king die? Those are precious words of um, the ancient words still so moving and the most contemporary people. He actually wrote these words, not in light of Christmas Day, not in the birth, about the birth of Christ, 
This was actually for the coming of the Lord looking forward for the church. So this is not actually Christmas carol meant to be. But it still fits well because it's in, in the uh, big spectrum of Advent season. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. That's how we prepare. Let every heart prepare room for Christ. How do you do that? If we look to the today's passage, actually, Jay just read it in context, verse 5 through 17 in first chapter of Luke. But 16 and 17 reveals the purpose of this preparation. By the way, the purpose of this mission given to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, like Jesus, the miraculous son. They, they didn't expect and they could not expect a baby. But Prophet Zechariah have this angelic visit, divine visit, and said, you shall have son. And you shall name him John. And his mission is prepare the way of the Lord. In verse 16 and 17's language, he says this. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, to, to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers, fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. When John the Baptist was so radical, he had large following and religious leaders were concerned about his identity. And they sent people to ask him, who are you? Are you Elijah? I am nothing. Then tell us who you are so that we could report back to the people who sent us. These are his words. In Mark uh, chapter 1, he says, I am the voice in the wilderness who shouts, and he quotes the book of Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make the crooked way straight for the Lord. He came to prepare a people for the Lord. So many came, received the baptism of John the Baptist, which meant a rep repentance and turning away from their ways to the Lord. See, the Advent, like the John the Baptist, in our lives, can have this effect of preparing us for the coming of the Lord. There are at least four ways, practical ways. And I want to be, be very simple and to the point, so that this could, this sermon doesn't entertain our conceptual theological thoughts only, merely, but calls us for action as we walk out the door today. 
and I'll call it. What are four I'm sorry about that mistakes that I made. Four prudent ways in your outline you could look at of preparing for Christmas. Four prudent ways could also, I, I could say, four countercultural ways of preparing for Christmas. Number one, prepare for Christmas by reflecting on your need for a Savior. Mark 2 7 says, when Jesus heard it, when Pharisees and Sadducees were kind of criticizing behind him because he was hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes, and he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me ask you this. Jesus is referring to Pharisees. You guys are fine. You don't really need me. You are healthy. You don't need a doctor. But I came, these people who are messed up and broken, they need me. So let me just go ahead and do my work. Absolutely not. The Pharisees were as messed up, as broken, as sinful, as depraved, as the tax collectors. The difference was recognition and awareness and admission and confession. In their own eyes, Pharisees were okay. They are righteous. They are much better than many of the people they have saw. So in, in some sense, we need to take this as a challenge in our lives in order for us to have this hopeful anticipation and joy, we must first realize the need. If you're not sick, you're not interested in doctor. If you are okay and you could save yourself and you feel that you're, you're confident to be accepted by God on your own merit, Christmas doesn't mean much at all. How about Isaiah 66, verse 2? All these things my hand has made, the Lord says. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. A very equivalent, the parallel passage. What is God looking for? What, what kind of people? He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Do you need joy in your life? especially in, in Christmas season. Not that kind of plain joy that disappears in the morning after, but the joy that is brewing deep in your heart and bubbling up. Then the first step that you need to take and I need to take 
is admission, confession. And furthermore, reflection on our need. If we don't see our brokenness, coming of the Lord, we don't really need. Even if we are aware of the Lord, the coming of the Lord is real, it merely becomes a reason to postpone Him back because of fear of judgment. As opposed to when you are in pain and suffering in your brokenness, things are not as well as it should be in many, many ways. And you're mourning. There are tears in your eyes. And there is a sense of your end, end of the rope. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted when the Christ, the Messiah, comes back. And all the more this becomes precious. And our generation doesn't know how to wait. I've seen, including me, our kids cannot wait the microwave oven ends. My son, one of the sons, I'm not going to say who, asked me, could you boil the water right around the time when I come home from school? Because I, this kind of rainy day, I feel like ramen. Like spicy ramen is his favorite. So he asked me to boil the water while he's walking. He could. <laughs> but is it true that all good things come to those who wait? Learn to wait? Yes. The anticipation of good things is actually that process is so joyful. And I still remember the time that when uh, I wasn't allowed to date Kate because I was a pastor. My father-in-law, he loves me now, okay? He, he's... <laughs> He said, over my dead body. So for eight months of pitch darkness. <laughs> I, I, I don't know when he's going to say yes, but we decide to honor them and wait instead of, I really thought about, I'm a, I'm a man, and I'm, I'm an American as well as Korean, but I'm just going to ask her to marry and do whatever, let them deal with it. It is my right, you no. Know, uh, we counseled this seek sought counsel from this wise pastor, older pastor, who said, "Honor them. Wait. Work on her mom. Let her <laughs> work on." Such a good wisdom. <laughs> but those are eight months of waiting. one of the precious memories I have. Have you heard of Diedrich Bonhoeffer? 
who was a young pastor who died in the hands of Nazi Germany. He's a German himself. But because of his discipleship, following Christ was so radical, he was helping and not only the Jews, and he was a revolutionary to do something about Nazi Germany. And he was captured, and he died in the prison a few months prior to the World War II ended. And his writings in his 30s and still become so powerful. In 1912, on an Advent Sunday, he spoke these words. And these are the words that we, our generation who cannot wait, who's in denial, need to hear. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, celebrating Advent means learning to how to wait. Not all can wait, certainly not those who are satisfied, contented, and feel that they live in the best of all possible worlds. Those who learn to wait are uneasy about their way of life, but yet have seen a vision of greatness in the world of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. The celebration of Advent is possible only those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. For these, it is enough to wait in humble, humble fear until the Holy One Himself comes down to us. God in the child in the manger. God comes. The Lord Jesus comes. Christmas comes. Christians Rejoice. So I'm thankful for the stories of brokenness that Cindy shared. Did you realize that? Did you hear that? Except the 2014, the many years, past few, many years were filled with turmoil, the most difficult years. And we all know Brian and Hyojung went through quite a bit already. But sitting there, I had no words of comfort. I didn't try to convince them theologically. All I did is I, I wanted to share how I hang on to God when I went through, I was still going through the troubles in my life because of my, bri- my brother who had s- something like a brain cancer, who outlived one-year sentence, he was, the doctor said one year. He has a one-year, uh, supposed to be July. Now it's Christmas. Do you have pain in your life? Do you have depression, anxiety? Is your marriage difficult? Is your children not cooperating the way you expect them to be? Do you have concerns for their faith and their drifting away from God? All that becomes a context that our hopeful anticipation produces real true joy 
the quiet joy. Yes, even amidst cancer. The second way to prepare for Christmas is by making room in our hearts for Christ through repentance and surrender. If Christmas is like Easter, Advent is like Lent, preparing to that. But in that preparation, instead of looking for quick fixes and just flamboyant joy, we are to make room. Do you remember John the Baptist turned their, the hearts of the Israelites to God, the crooked way to the straight way? Lamentation 3, verse 40 the Lord Yahweh himself speaks to the people of God. And then this is Jeremiah, the prophet's response and urge to his people. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. That's what it means to repent. repent. Turning away from our ways and returning to the Lord. In so doing, we're not into the self-improvement and overly critical and bring self-condemnation and beating our heads every day and every night, every fault, every shortcoming. No. We are to go to God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal our hearts, the things that we cannot see, so that we're not in self-condemnation, neither we are in denial, like Pharisees. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. What are some things that you need to purge out of your heart, out of your lifestyle, out of your ways? And I am not talking about the big, humongous sins, the obvious sins. Although you need to purge that if you're hiding from God and from people. But I'm also... talking about any small little attitude and ways that displeases God. How do I know? If you ask the Holy Spirit, He will reveal to you. A a, a sense of grumbling spirit. Out of that, your complaint and criticism come out. Sassy attitude who puts down people in the name of humor or gossip. 
hardened heart toward the things of God, and then you refuse what is unnatural to you and to all of us, which is a training, the disciplining, fighting for God, fighting for joy in God, rather than then we naturally gravitate toward to what gives us a pleasure naturally, which is a short-lived. Whatever that might be, this is a time that, that we make room, that Christ dwells at home in our heart. I think it would be wonderful to ask that question, Lord, search my heart. Would you point out things, anything? I will take that and purge out of my, my life. I want to please you, make room for you. So not only the soul, soul searching, but spirit dependency in, in all this. Number three, preparing for Christmas, we could do it by cultivating a God-centered excitement and participation about the coming Christ in our home. I think this is a hot button for me. Because it's so easy, even including all of us, to go with the current of culture, to go with the good things, family memories and wonderful gatherings and opening up the gifts and kids getting surprised. And part of it, all of it is a good thing. And do you know the enemy of the best is not the bad? It's a good thing. It takes the robs of joy, the deep joy of anticipating the coming of the Lord to the materialistic things, to the people, to compliments of the people about your house, about your home, whatever there might be, or about how, how you, your kids are well-behaved, good-looking, play piano well, or... Violin, violin well. So no wonder we get stressed. I, I declared this uh, a few Sundays ago, a few Christmases ago, so I'm going to declare again. If you are full of joy and gratitude, then you want to give me a, the gift card for Starbucks, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but I know most of people out of gift. There's a list of duty gifts. This is a season of life, and we need to, most of times, you know, gifts for the teachers and gift for this person, gift for Sunday school teacher, uh, gift for pastor. Um, Starbucks, she likes coffee. Save your time stress. If you really, really want to express your gratitude, write some words. I'm a words of affirmation guy, right? 
I'll eat up your word over and over. Starbucks coffee, I drink halfway and throw it away. I'm just making myself vulnerable about that because this is how we can simplify our schedule. Say no to people. Say no to yourself about pleasing everyone. Your dinner, your dessert, and your appetizer doesn't have to be perfect. We're celebrating Christ. Oh, another thing. Our role of leading by example is such important. So that our kids get excited about Christ, not about things. And day and night, their joy comes from things. How will they cope with life? How will they cope with eternity? when Christ becomes boring to them. But if we genuinely excited, not try to sit down and lecture them, but really get excited about Christ and your devotion, you could read children's story, or you could simply read Luke chapter 2, chapter 1, tell the story, read the story to them. It's wonderful That's one of the things that I I appreciate about Charlie Brown, Christmas Story. You could play that over and over. The Charlie Brown's voice and reading that brings back to, to focus to Christ. I hope the coming days of our Advent will be filled with this excitement and anticipation about Christ. Not about good things that robs the best joy. How about even in the sense that the second coming of Jesus Christ do you long for that? Do you anticipate for that? Okay, listen to the Old Testament and the New Testament passages. In Zechariah 9.9, this was our responsive reading this morning. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Revelation 22.20 one verse prior to the last verse of the Bible, he who testifies to these things, Jesus himself, surely I am coming soon. And to that, John the Apostle is responding, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Is that your confession? Amen, come Lord Jesus, even today. And obviously, if you're everything so fine, you're so satisfied with the current worldly life right now, we can't say it. If we don't have 
the clean rooms in our heart, we can't say it. If we don't have an excitement for the coming Christ, we can't say it. But brothers and sisters, as much as this sounds weird in terms of preparing for Christmas, it is the way. It is the way of Christ. It is the countercultural, prudent ways. And this, just because of faith, it doesn't mean just for the, for the future only, our Christmas experience will be impacted differently. So in summary, we must be uh, countercultural to simplify and to focus on Christ. Unless we do that deliberately, others will schedule and crowd our lives and our expectations, our burdens. And our excitement ought not to be from the materialistic things. When we create that kind of room and excited about Christ, what did shepherds do? They went tell others. We're going to reach out. So each home group is doing this care package for the needy family of Olive Crest foster care. And these are people that kids might not have uh, Christmas gifts and they could barely survive each day. And with this mentality of crowdedness and satisfied with what we're doing, we become self-absorbed and self-focused. This becomes a burden. Especially when you are not financially doing well, this becomes a double burden. But if we make room for Christ in our hearts, if we declare our pain, our depravity, and our shortcomings, and our brokenness, our imperfect world, that we could reach out. We have a room to care for the, the people in our community as well as people who are outside the community. And my prayer is that we do this with overflowing joy. In spite of the fact that we might not actually meet them face to face. I want to quickly mention not only on, only our own brokenness and imperfect world. There are so many things going on out there, especially if you're on uh, social network or online. Because of what, what happened to Ferguson and, and the following events of just horrendous things are going on injustice, and the arguments that people are just going extreme poles. And then we realize how polarized America has become. What in the world are our Christian nations supposedly come to? There are two different ways. We become sarcastic and we become judgmental 
of all the worlds that are going on is wrong and bad and cynical. Or we could turn to the coming Messiah in hopeful anticipation, in humility and brokenness and in repentance, crying out for the brothers and sisters who are skewed from the way of the Lord, from the crooked ways we call them by mercy and love of Christ to justice. Lastly, we could prepare for Christmas by treasuring the word about Christ in our hearts. You see, when uh, uh, the shepherds came and told this incredible story, angelic host comes, comes in, sounds of glorious and glory to the, to the God in highest and peace on earth to those who love him. All these stories, the supernatural stories, people didn't know what to make of it. Verse 18 in chapter, Luke, chapter uh, 2 of Luke, Gospel. And all who, have, who heard it wondered at what the words told them, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is what we ought to do. The words about Christ, the promises and stories about Christ, we treasure them. And chewing over and over, savoring, saturating our hearts with it, the Christ becomes much more clear in our hopeful anticipation instead of a man-made projection of human made Christ in our own ideas. Luke 22:34. this is the story from the story of a resurrected Christ journeying, walking alongside of two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they finally realized it was he, their Lord and Savior and the Master who died on the cross, and he's risen again. And then they said to each other, when they realized, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to, opened to us the scriptures? So this is how we could prepare Bring the words of Christ. Bring the words about Christ. Start a fire in our hearts. Not only spiritually vital, we become passionate about things that Christ cared for. And Christmas becomes much more the meaningful and not to mention looking forward to the second coming of Christ. So as we go into the, this week, my prayer is, yes, let's pray for the uh, people in our lives. People are going through much pain and suffering, difficulties. 
but let's do it in hopeful anticipation. That we begin to experience deep joy, quiet joy, the different kind of joy counterculturally. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder and thank you for your word that stir our hearts. In the coming days, we pray, we pray that you will teach us to prepare for Christmas by reflecting on our need for, for, for a Savior, by making room for Christ in our hearts through repentance and surrender, by cultivating God-centered excitement and anticipation, and leading as an example in our homes for our kids and our family culture. And above all, Lord Jesus, come in our hearts as we meditate and treasure the word, the promises and stories about you. So fill this church, fill everyone in this room with the joy of the coming Lord. Yes, Lord, come quickly. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.